This episode is brought to you by Liquid IV. Guys, if you don't know what Liquid IV is, we'll buckle up because I'm going to throw you a game changer. Liquid IV is a hydration multiplier that not only tastes great, but is a non-GMO electric light drink mix. Powered by cellular transport technology to deliver hydration to the body faster and more efficiently than water can just do alone. One stick contains three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks with five essential vitamins. Now, I pride myself on telling you about things that I either already like or just use in my everyday life. And I have to say, I've actually been a fan of Liquid IV for a long, long time now. I use it for everything from, you know, just long runs to stay in shape, all those late nights with those after hours or just when I'm feeling a little dehydrated. I turn to it so it could just, my God, set me straight, make me feel like a million bucks again, and just get me ready for the day. So please head on over to their website. That's liquid-iv.com to check out their amazing line of products. And get this, when you use promo code Art of the Beholder, all one word, you'll get 20% off your order. Now, if you need a little direction on where to start, I recommend Lemon Lime. Guys, you're going to love it, won't be disappointed. So please give it a shot and get more fuel for life's adventures. Now, back to the show. Greetings and salutations, all you beautiful people, and welcome to another episode of Art of the Beholder, a show dedicated to all things eclectic in the world of arts, where we do deep dives into deep cuts and help you understand why damn things matter. I'm your host, Novo Day, and today we're going to be talking about art and fashion and design. To do so, we're talking with one of our regulars. That's right. we got to shine a light on our contemporaries with fashion designer, Alexandra Parsons. Ms. Parsons has been in the fashion world for over 12 years now, graduated from SCAD. She has worked and taught in New York, LA, and now Atlanta, Georgia. She currently teaches and has her own sustainable home goods and fashion line. Ms. Parsons, welcome back to the show. What's up? <laughs> Hi, everybody. This is going to be easy because as a uh, we already have a cadence, we already have a flow. Uh, this is going to be probably the easiest interview I will ever do. Aww. So let's dive in so you know usually when we talk i feel like our audience probably has gotten to know you pretty well but we keep a lot of the long story short so now i'm ready for the long story long so let's go down memory lane miss parsons tell us about your roots what led you down this path how did you become a fashion designer so i have a cute story um it kind of it started with my grandfather um miss well D, uh, Benjamin or Benedetto di Benedictus. Mm. That's quite a name. That's his That's name. Great so, name. Yeah. but I do come from a family of designers on my mother's side, um, which is the Italian side. So they came over to New York. Uh, my grandfather um, was really young, came over on a boat, like a lot of people to Ellis Island. And um, his mother was like an entrepreneur, basically, like self made woman. Um, and it's very interesting. She, it, he got it from her, and I guess I got it from him. And um, my, but my mom's family, actually, my mother's side is from it. Like they're from both from Italy. My mom's side. Um, let me start over. My mother's mother. <laughs> so your grandmother. My grandmother's side has like the, her sisters. So they were, I guess, my great aunts were designers in New York. So when they came over, they kind of like one, I think Aunt Grace was a seamstress for Hattie Cardigan, and then um, which was like a dressmaker in New York. And then 
Um, I think Aunt Dora was the bead, did the bead work and they made my mother's wedding dress. So they, on that side, they were like designers, worked in New York, like old school, really talented. And my mom learned how to sew from them. And also, so my grandfather didn't actually sew, but he became a master pattern maker in Manhattan. So he was born in um, like Florence, outside of Florence. And um, he came over with my grandmother and everything. And she had like a coffin business in Italy. It was really crazy. She like buried dead people and these like coffins and then she got all that money went to america and then she created like a silk flower company like she made silk hmm. flowers and then what is a silk flower for anybody uh, that doesn't know, I know this is a really uh, myself <laughs> well um now it's like usually polyester i think but it's okay. like fake flowers okay let's just like fake like flowers you see when you go to michael's and stuff like that um but then my grandmother, my great grandmother, Victoria, would like she would make them and hand sew them. And my grandfather became like saw that and she was making a lot of money. So, they, you know, they die that somehow they dye the leaves. They cut the leaves out. They dye them and then they would hand sew them and make flowers and like give them to people. So put them in shops or stores like decoration, uh, like yeah. uh, for clothing for both and maybe. reef like reefs, ah, clothing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, fake it was like really big in the 40s and 50s for your you know to put on yeah like as a pin or for your hats like the fake flowers on hats that you saw that kind of stuff so she did that and she did pretty well and my grandfather decided to he became an illustrator a fashion illustrator he went to new york school of design when it first opened and he was illustrating and doing all that stuff and then he became a master pattern maker which you make a lot of money doing that. So pattern maker is um, somebody who um, like is, knows math really well, creates the pattern with numbers and shapes and tools for the, the gowns and the dresses and the suits or whatever. So you have a pattern, they put the, the he makes the pattern, you put the fabric on the pattern, you, you cut it out and then you get your outfit. Is that confusing or is that like? <laughs> no, no. Keep well, we going. Buy, some people buy patterns in stores. They are yeah, my mom patterns. used to do that. My mom used yeah. to be a bit of a seamstress. So. My grandfather yeah. made, made the patterns. So uh, it was a lot of math. Um, and you need to make you need to have patterns and there's just a different way to make patterns to create an outfit um, to create a design. So he did that. And then um, he got kind of sick of the fashion industry and was like, I don't really like I think he was a little sexist. He's like, I don't like working with all these women. That's what my mom told me. I was like, Jesus Christ. So it was like, but it also was like the 40s. Uh, yeah, it was a different time. It's a different time. But like now it's like it's like prominently run by a lot of men. Um but I think he just he wanted to have his own business. So he took over my grandmother's company and blew it up into it called it sequential design. Mm. So when I was after so fast forward, um, it was a design company. He created like the design, you know, Seagram's liquor company. Do you sure. remember? Oh, yeah. Do you know, Jen, you know, yeah. You know, oh, four, yeah. you know, four roses. I think so. A bourbon. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do know Four Roses. Seagram's, I think, owned Four Roses. And my grandfather, like, went in there. I was like, let me change your design. Here's the, he did the illustration. Like, this is because he, so he did the illustration and design for Four Roses, which is still the same design today, except it's embedded in glass. So I didn't know that. Gee, that's cool. It is really cool. So he did that. And um, he's like, here's the deal. Like, I'll do your design. And then when somebody, when a company or a liquor store or a bar, like a bourbon bar, they they buy the four roses, they open the box and there will be four silk roses in there. 
So he did that and he like invented this flower press. So it was like just my dad explained it to me because he saw it was like this giant metal press that had the shape of the flower leaf. And my grandfather put the ink in there and then would slam it shut and it would it with the silk in it, it would dye the silk the red color and then it would like press each leaf, each rose petal, and it would fall out and these little Italian women would come get the rose petals the silk rose petals and then make these roses i was like what and then he sold the company i think in the 70s or late 70s and retired but uh when after he died i was like eight nine years old um we went to his storage unit and i found all these fashion illustrations and i was like i just knew i looked at my mom i said i don't know what this is but i know this is what i'm gonna do wow at 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 that young of an age eight or nine i knew since i was eight years old that i wanted to be a fashion designer and I kind of, I also knew that I wanted to carry on my grandfather's lineage. Like I wanted to carry it on in the family because no one else was doing it. So that's kind of like this promise I made to him after he passed away that I would continue his legacy, however that may be in, in designing. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of like what I started drawing and copying his sketches and illustrations when I was little. And I taught I self-taught myself how to do fashion. And I used to watch fashion shows when I was really young and get really emotional because I thought they were so beautiful. So it was very much like embedded in something that I truly like my passion has never died for it. It's just it's just transformed into different things. And you and you went to school. You still got like a more of a formal education. I did. I went to Savannah College of Art and Design, so SCAD in Atlanta. There's a Savannah campus. I went to the Atlanta campus. And um I really didn't know how to use an industrial sewing machine until I went there. So, And I, I was with all these other um, people who knew how to sew. I knew how to draw. But, oh, my God, I was like, whoa, these people are so talented. There was, like, so many people. But I, that they didn't have, like, the creativity that I had. Like, some of them did. But, like, a lot of the teachers would ask me to, like, help with the fabrication. So my my specialty, like, my niche that I actually was always just good at was fabric. Like how to pick fabric with the right outfit, the right design. And even though like I wasn't great at executing all my designs all the time, I got better as I'm much better now. But um, you gravitate towards uh, using a lot of the same materials over and over again. Yeah, I love silks. Okay, I love using silks. That ties back to the flowers a little Mm -hmm. bit there. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like really embedded in me. So I love silks. Yeah. In your DNA. For sure, literally. <laughs> yeah, literally my DNA silks and um, all different types of like chiffons and tulle. That's why I, I worked in wedding dresses for a minute too because of that. And I love beadwork. How long were you at SCAD before for, you moved? Um, I went to SCAD. I, tra- I went to, so I transferred there from FAU in Florida. I was FAU for like a year. And then my family moved up from South Florida to like Boca Raton area to Atlanta. And I was like, I got into SCAD and I decided to move up to Atlanta. So I was there for about four years. I should have only been there for a, three years, but I ended up being there for four years. I took extra classes. I had to retake some classes. So um, I graduated in 2009. I In eight, I walked, but I got my, my degree in 2009. And is that when you moved to New York City? Now, I moved to New York City a few years later. Um, okay. I had some jobs. I was working... Um, Right when I was college, I started working for Ann Barge and Bajli Mishka. Um, bridal, Ann Barge is here in Atlanta. And I got a paid internship to work for her for a while. On top of doing that, I was also waiting tables, classic mm. artist yeah. situation. Oh, yeah. 
And um, so I did that and um, I loved it, but they hired, they didn't keep me on full time. I mean, they didn't keep me on past my like internship contract. They, they kept the girl that had the masters who knew how to, who was, um, cause their manufacturing companies were in China. So they p- picked, they kept the girl that like was Chinese and knew how to speak to them, which made sense. It's like, I didn't have those qualities, unfortunately. Um, but it did make me want to move to Athens to take some graduate courses at UGA. So in 2000 and like, 11 or 10 I moved to Athens Georgia and that's actually where like my I got introduced to more sustainability and um, I met Sonny um, she's German I can never pronounce her last name she owns this place called community in um, Athens Georgia it's still there and she supports a lot of local designers and she used to be a musician she's so cool and I went in there just to go work for her to see if I can come hang out and work there and she asked me if I can do a clothing line, but it had to be just with her store. So this is kind of like where I learned about sustainability and redesign. So it was like after college. That's why doing internships and working for different companies is so important, not just getting a degree, but like, and like old school, that's how people always did it, right? They always like went and um, didn't always have a degree in what they did. They, they yeah, work experience for Experience is key for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I learned that from her and I had like multiple fashion lines and with her and multiple shows. And it was like, you were like a little celebrity in that little town in Athens, Georgia. (laughs) Um, And it was so much fun. And I'm so grateful. It was like the best decision. One of the best decisions I did was move there and um, create this amazing, like artsy community that I didn't have before. And um, it gave me the confidence to finally move to New York. So in 2013, like 12, 13 or whatever, I moved to New York. So I was in Athens for like two and a half years. And then I was like, peace, I'm going to go to New York. And <laughs> Take then was, us through that world. Yeah. What happened when we when we got to the Big Apple? Uh, well, it, New York is a very big place, as you know, small but big place. So it was very distracting. But um, I kind of, I, well, I started working at Saks Fifth Avenue. I needed a job and I did retail and I worked styling people and um, I was really unhappy doing it. Like I hated working and retail is not easy. It's like a different beast in itself as far yeah. as like appeasing people. And um, I was like, you know, salesmanship, what? you have to kind of sell your personality too. Yeah. And you need to make a decent amount of money to live in New York to be able to enjoy it. Jesus and, Christ, yes. And I wasn't. And I was like, I was working out like crazy. I think I was doing a lot of things to distract myself. So I kind of got off my path a little bit, um, which is interesting. We always do that. We kind of have to, that that cycle. Is sometimes we go off that path to rediscover ourselves or rediscover something new. And um, I decided to go back to waiting tables at fine dining. So I would have more time to pick up freelance jobs or just enjoy the city. Mm-hmm. And... You know, I did that for two years. I lived in um, West Midtown and I went and worked at this place called Hakkasan. And I finally was like having a blast in New York. And I unfortunately I was like trying I was connecting ties, meeting people in the industry. But it was really hard because to do any design stuff because I was so distracted and I was so got so sucked into that. Like I kind of partied and had fun and I wasn't doing the arts, the crafts that I wanted to do. And then um, my roommate at the time works for worked for she still does works for DC Comics and she's like my company's moving to LA um, and it's a paid like 
it's a paid move. Do you want to move with me? And I was like, um, because I know that you you're like very open to trying new things. And I had some design opportunities in L.A. that were being offered to me. So I was like, it's a free move. And I was like, well, let me go visit first. So I went out there for a few weeks and a bunch of my friends moved out there from Athens, Georgia. And then my friends from New York moved out there. It was like one of those little collectives like in the 70s and like the 70s. A lot of people from New York moved to L.A. And then they moved back. It was like that. I was like, okay, well, I'm going to do that. And I'll check it out for like a year. And I hated it. And <laughs> <laughs> Why'd you I, hate it? What happened? Um, I actually worked for myself for almost nine months till I had to go get a serving job. So that was really great. Like I worked for multiple small startups. I helped them with fashion stuff. So that was a really blossoming time I worked for this bridal company that was great but like dealing with LA people really fucking sucked because people weren't like forward they'll be like oh and I guess it is the freelance world where people will just in general be like I'll pay you later at the end of the month I'm like bitch I gave you the product pay me now let's go I was like what what like I don't understand like you think I just like live off like I'm a I'm not a trust fund kid like you gotta pay me so they're very flaky and flighty. And this one company I worked for, this bridal store in Echo Park, um, she kept promising me, like, oh, you're going to be this position. I'm going to have you do this now. And then she was like, oh, I decided to give it to my friends. So you're just going to do this. I was like, what the hmm. fuck? Like, it was just called very flaky. No apology thinking all these things are fine to treat people like that because you sound nice. Just because you're saying it nice doesn't mean that's a fucking cool thing to do. And um, everyone's just really sensitive there. I'm sensitive, mm. but they were just like, didn't know how to take jokes. It was weird. It's just weird energy. And it's not for everybody. So um, that I decided to pack up my car um, a year and a half later, or a year later, I got a minivan and I drove back to New York. <laughs> <laughs> God, what a fucking drive that was. Jesus. It was. I had a, like, a new friend come with me. And that was fun. And I moved back. And how long were you there before you moved back to Georgia then? I was okay. So I was in New York for two years. Then I moved to LA for a year ish. And then I was in New York for six, seven years. Okay. So you're, you were there for a good chunk in Brooklyn. of time. Yeah. I was yeah. in Brooklyn for like six, four, five, six ish, seven, almost seven years, almost seven years. What were you doing then? Seven years, seven years. Yeah. Uh, sorry. I'm like, it's just a lot happened there. Fa fashion worldwide, I should say. Mm -hmm. I, let me, did a lot of different stuff. I started my, tried to do my own line. So I was doing like, I hired somebody to work with me. And I, um, she's great. She has her own stuff going on now. Um, but I hired um, her to work with me and to help me create like basically like a promo line. Like I wasn't going to actually really make it. It was more to like help my, it's, it's what's on my website right now. Mm -hmm. So like I helped, I designed a, like a collection to help promote like my, my designs. Yeah. Um, I think I worked some freelance for some people. Um, I did illustrations. It's like, freelance worlds all over the place so i was doing that on top of waiting tables and then i became a nanny hmm. um which i made more money and i was able to like have more of a little bit more structure um so i was just like always having multiple jobs and um i worked for and then i got this job at this company called love wild design that was literally across the street from my apartment in brooklyn it was very convenient 
it's sustainable. Um, it was not no fashion, but she did do screen printing. So I learned how to screen print bags and it was very like politically driven women run um, support local. So I like helped with basically like, pr- production, like packing, shipping, some design stuff. Like Sierra mainly did all of the designs, but she would like ask me for input her mom worked there. It was really nice, like a little family. That's a great segue to dive into the meat of the matter and your art and focus on those designs. So kind of take us through your process. What is, you know, yeah, take us through a design from beginning, middle and end. I teach, this is what I tell my kids. So every summer for the past 12 years, I I go to UGA and I teach a fashion design camp. So um, I teach them basically what I do and what a lot of other designers do. And it really depends on my mood. But um, if I want to do, say, um, well, it depends. If you want to do a collection, like say you want to do like, you have to start with an inspiration. Okay. You have to be inspired by something. So a lot of people start with a mood board, whether it's digital or an actual physical one. Usually it's both. The more, if you have a team of people, then you do want to have both. Um, and you get fabrication, what, what's inspires you. So let's say after that muse hits you, do you start with the sketches? Oh yeah. Sometimes people just start doing sketches and then they get, and I starts with one look and then they go ahead and they start getting inspiration from that. Um, it could just start with a person like, um, Rita Hayworth, or it could start with, Leonard Cohen and his suits, you know what I mean? Like, and then it could go from there and then you start sketching and then it could become, as long as it's kind of connected, like, okay, well, what year was this? Um, well, is this like a decade influence? Is Are you meshing up like um, 1940s with modern? Like, how are you going to modernize it? Um, I feel like a lot of the fashion industry recently has lost that mm. with modernizing things it's just like copying and like doing y2k stuff so we're basically seeing like <laughs> like ba- um, actual just straight up copies from with no originality not like more mainstream fashion than in like high-end like high-end you'll see some really cool um originality but then you're just seeing like street fashion is just like i don't know i just it's, that's a whole nother subject mm, yeah i'm digressing a little <laughs> but with um my inspiration yeah i'll get inspired by it could be a poem even like where was the poem started where does that take you then after after that that hits it's a feeling or a mood so then i get very creative and visual like well who is my woman like who am i selling this to like do you always focus on making for making clothing for women or do you do males it's usually unisex like it's gender like non-binary so um when i was in la i my friend ramon and i were trying to do a non um a unisex it was we called it unisex line now it's like non-binary or um no there's no gender um so there's a company i think called 60 there's a lot of companies in la i think it's called 69 um And I think that's their name. I, I, I have to look it up. But like, Sponsored by Reddit and sales. <laughs> no, <I'm> kidding. <laughs> so I am. Um, yeah. So I think that, but I still, I love making gowns and dresses, but like men, men can wear those too. Or sure. Like, yeah. Or well, um, wear what they want to wear for sure. A non-binary individual. Like it doesn't really matter, but um, usually it will be men. I love men and I, I love menswear and women's wear. So I just love combining that. Like I love, 
wearing men's jackets and men's pants with a really sexy top. There you go. Like, so I've always been into halter tops and I've been creating not halter, but the crop tops. I've been making crop tops since 2011 before they got popular. And you can see that on my website. If you go back down onto the fashion shows, um, you could see some of like those crop tops in there. Um, I've been working with leather for a while. So like, I love working with leather and I want to kind of start getting back into that. So yeah, let's, let me do a Novo pullback. So you get inspired, your Mm -hmm. muse hits you, then you start sketching what happens after a design or two or for a collection. What then do you gather the materials and then you're, you're, you're sitting down in front of uh, the sew machine. What's yeah. Take us through that. So, um, again, it depends if you're, if I'm making a few things just for Etsy or if I'm doing a whole collection, but let's just say I'm making a, yeah, let's, right? uh, let's, let's just let's keep it simple. Let's so say I'm however, making s- yeah. six looks, six des- full designs that I want to put on my website or to sell Perfect. or something. I'm gonna do a little show, right? So yes, I get inspired. It's really fun. Actually, the research is the funnest part for me um getting fabric pieces of fabric seeing what i'm going to work with what's going to match with what and then i start sketching and then i start narrowing down the sketches like do i have like okay well i have one gown but then i have like five shorts that doesn't go you know you need (laughs) to like make sure that it is um it's a unified balanced collection um personally me um it's the rules have changed a little bit but um and then I start like making, I start draping. I have a mannequin in my next to me. So I, some I start draping or I can do flat pattern making, which means I can just straight up take my pattern and start doing the numbers um, with my tools, with my rulers without having to drape. But some things require draping. And then if I drape, I need to like m- make the marks with my pen. And then I have to transfer that drape onto pattern. And then... Um, but there are shortcuts. So some of the shortcuts I like to do, and a lot of people do them, and a lot of big companies do this, is you get a blouse you like um, if you already have it. Like uh, a lot of companies will go to a big retailer store. I can do this too, but I've never done this. I can buy something. I really like this this blazer. It's $600. I'm going to buy it. I'm going to make the pad. I'm going to do a rub off. It's literally okay. called a rub off. Oh, um, and um, I'm going to. Well, sponsored get- by Reddit. Again, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get the measurements and I'm going to copy it. And then I'm going to return that jacket and get my money back. A lot of, I'm telling you, like so many companies do that. I used to have my friends come into Saks Fifth Avenue and be like, oh yeah, we're for a sweater company and I'm just, I'm, we're checking out the sweaters. I'm like, what the f-? you know? And they just copy it. And you manipulate wow. it a little bit. Really? Yeah, there's not a yeah. And you manipulate it a little bit. So I usually take stuff I already have, like, okay, I have some pair of shorts. I'm going to make it a little wider. I'm going to use these shorts to make it, you know, I make this skirt. I'm gonna, it just saves time and yeah. I, it makes it more accurate with measurements. I don't like to directly steal from stuff. So um, I think there's a thin line between s- stealing and just being inspired. Like, oh, mm-hmm. I like this. I'm going to put my signature on it somehow. Mm-hmm. I'm going I'm to change it. So yeah. nothing wrong with that. Um, and I because I work in I focus on sustainability and, and low waste, I will try to use fabrics that I already have or um, I will get organic fabric. And if I if, if it's um, if I have to um, like diet, I will use like turmeric 
or I will use um, avocado pits will make, make it pink or I'll make sure the silk is certified. Do you gravitate organic. towards certain colors or color theory? Like there's something like, oh, God, I just keep going back to this. So I used to be very into like cream and blacks. And I do love gold, like gold somewhere and everything, even my paintings. And but I love I do love jeweled color things like I love emerald greens. I love um, very things that come from nature. So earth tones. Um, I don't do a lot of prints. That's something that I maybe I wish I want to. I don't even wear a lot of printed stuff like floral printed design. Like that's something that yeah. I think I need to explore more. Yeah. So yeah, it's very like natural base. Like if we didn't have the ability to um, have synthetic dyes as far as like like chemicals what would we use we would use the stuff around us like plants and the earth and so that's kind of like what inspires me and that is very much in right now or you're going to see it even more become a trend more earth tones more things that are tie-dyed but earth tone tie-dye like that's been coming in yeah so i do tend to do more not the craziest brightest colors uh, I did have a phase and on my website, you'll go and it's like 2000. My last show I did in Athens, I think I was doing a lot of full disclosure. I was, was going, you know, going to 2013, 12, 13. I was going to a lot of festivals, okay. music festivals. Doing so some a hippie phase? Or? Drugs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So doing a lot of psychedelics. Um, and I was creating a lot of like, I was just really inspired by color and I never yeah. am. I was just like, oh, I'm going to do like tie dye and just, I'm going to make, and I kind of something snapped in my brain, which I really needed to happen. I was like, I need to stop making things that people aren't going to wear. I need to really focus on my consumer and who's around me. Like I'm not in New York. I'm in Athens, Georgia. Like what do my friends like to wear? I did that and that shit sold out the fucking next day. There you go. I had yeah. to like remake stuff. So I was just being really stubborn and like, I want to make beautiful things. And I was like, I don't, I can make cool things and beautiful things and, and see what's beautiful is my friends wearing it. So um, that really changed my perspective. And obviously the psychedelics helped me change my perspective. So that was very <laughs> helpful. And um, as they do. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of, that's kind of the, the design. Then you, you make it, then I transfer a pattern, you make it. Um, and then you try to put on either a show or you do just like a virtual thing. Yeah, let's. So we are hypothetically we're done with our, our six pieces. Like you made them. Mm -hmm. So then are you um, let we're booking an event center or we finding models and then that's oh, the yeah. next that's the next step. You get fit models. You can yeah. have your friends. It depends like all different shapes or sizes is usually like what I've always liked to do. Doesn't have to be skinny models which i prefer not um and so i would do that and we would have a i love having shows but it is like it depends how much time you have and they're not necessary anymore mm. so if i was doing one now so like more online you would maybe yeah focus on on the you know social media opportunities things mm -hmm. like that. i would find a place to do really beautiful photos that's the thing that i've always tried to do i would find a place to really do beautiful photos and if the opportunity money came around that i can actually do a show i love doing fashion shows like i used to do them at scad i'm really good at it i love i love delegating i love organizing 
I love um, putting in other people's hands and telling them my vision and then just letting them go with it. I did that in Athens a lot and that was so fun. Um, so I would love to try to do a show, but time-wise, realistically, I'd probably just do like an online thing for my website and then I would have to try to find um, the funds or I would like, it would be limited. Like, oh, there's only three of these pieces and then in, in, in three months I'm going to make another six looks because I, I don't have the manpower to do a collection but say Bloomingdale's wanted to like I went up to them or somebody was like I want to we want to carry this collection I would have to find a local manufacturing company here or some people to make it for me yeah let's dive into the commerce side of it so like after we do that that previous phase of uh, essentially marketing marketing mm-hmm. the looks and the designs to the public then um, it's almost like you get a sponsor and they can mass produce it um, and you go and then we start selling it and what of their website or stores or what have you. Mm-hmm. And and there's risks in doing that. Like if I if you have your own store, you can just carry your shit and like sew it in the back each time you run low or you can hire your own seamstress, which I've worked for a small company like that in New York, one of my first internships. Um and you have your own pattern maker and you have one pattern maker and one seamstress if you have the funds. Um, but yeah, if if I had a financier, which you probably want to do, like my friend um, L. Lewis, who I've talked to about before, he is a business partner and um, they have a manufacturing company. They have a knitwear designer. It's all like and he creates the designs all digitally. He's very focused on the digital world the metaverse and stuff like that so um i would probably you know have a manufacturer hopefully local i don't want to go overseas people do it because it's cheaper but if i had to i would tell my business partner that i'm flying out and i'm going to go see the 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 actual where it's sewn that it's yeah it's sustainable. They're getting paid. It's safe. I'm not supporting anything like this. Like I don't like I am very much a purist when it comes to fashion design. That's why I could have sold out and worked for Gap if I wanted to. But I fucking don't believe in that. So I think because design to me came from a place of like inspiration from my grandfather. Yeah. Um. I, I just won't. I just. I. It won't be fun. I'll just be like a zombie that I didn't get into fashion. Mm to make money i got in it because i loved it it's your passion it's your art yeah it it fulfills me and i don't need to be gratified by the outside world to do it that's why i have an etsy account i do it because it like making it in general is fulfilling yeah and also teaching is fulfilling so that's why i teach so um i would make sure that the uh manufacturing company is fine and it's it's okay and it's it's run correctly um and i would make sure i have a good lawyer and uh (laughs) sure yeah, Co- and then I would yeah. reproduce it, make you know, because I'm not the great with numbers, so I'd have to make sure I have a good business partner that is good with numbers and um, and all of it. And yeah. then does that start? So after we get to that point, and we are we're releasing things to the public, we're um, able to um, get some revenue from these sales of of these of these lines and these mm-hmm. designs, do you just start the cycle again or mm-hmm. do you feel like immediately? Yeah. Okay. Then how do you, how do you challenge yourself? How do you keep things fresh and how do you keep it? Well, as if you're a creative person um, and usually, or if you feel like you're hitting a creative stump, 
or for yeah. is that the right word? I mean, the best thing is to talk it's to like the a writer's youth. block. Yeah, what, yeah. Uh, potato, potato, whatever you want to call it. Go out there and find things that inspire you. Go see the youth. Street fashion is probably one of the best things. Like, what can you do better? Like, you're seeing street fashion. Like, what can I do? I'm not going to steal that, but what, you know, what what's going to inspire me? What are the movies that are going to be coming out in a couple of years? So it goes back to an, uh, inspiration again, like how mm-hmm. we started. Always. Yeah. I, to me personally, it's always inspiration. Because if you're, if some, and also making sure you're following, you do have to follow some of the trends. Yeah. So you're probably, the more, the bigger you get, the more you're going to want to invest in a really good Pantone color book, which is like Pantone website. It's expensive. It shows you all the color trends that are coming in um, and also getting a trend forecasting book. So if you, the bigger you get, the more you need to invest in those things to make sure you're relevant and that you're selling. Um, again, unless you have your own store, and um, you don't, you know, you're just like, it's just you and you're supporting a couple other designers in your store. You don't really, you could kind of, if you're smart enough with trend forecasting, which I like to think I am, you don't really need to get a trend, trend forecasting book because I've, I've always been really good at finding trends naturally. And then I start to see them go mainstream years later. Let's focus on the future now. Uh, well, let's focus on uh, your your current presence mm, and okay. we know that you're teaching mm-hmm. and we know you're based uh, out of um Ad- atlanta georgia mm-hmm. but where are you in that cycle uh do you have any projects that you're working on now or on the horizon kind of kind of walk us through that i'm kind of right now i am very much on a blank slate so i am finding inspiration i'm finding the motivation at the beginning of the cycle i am the last one finding the motivation and the energy to add more stuff to my etsy like what i want to do next like well then what do you want to do next maybe like do you want to discontinue teaching or do you feel like you want to maybe go back you know into the uh the deep end so to speak i like need to sit down and uh figure out what i want to make what kind of new stuff um, that is sellable that people will really like on Etsy, and then um, that's where I'm going to start. Okay, so um, it sounds like you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna get get yourself out there again. Yeah, I, I mean it, my Etsy's there, but I need to add new stuff to it. Do I want to still do more pillowcases, or do I want to do more design? Let's tell clothes? the good people about that Etsy account. So, is there a website? Well, there's a website that is alexanderparsons.com, and she did tell me, guys, right before we went on, it is back up officially. But um, yeah. if they want to follow you and eventually buy your products, how do they do that? Um, you go on Etsy, and all you have to do is look up Alexandra Parsons Co. Co. Yeah. And there's also a video of me on there talking about sustainability and silk fabrics and all that stuff. Um, not really like the way I look on that video, but it is what it is. It's informative. So um, we're all our own worst critics. Ugh, I bet yeah. no one no one sees it like you do. So that's you can go up in there and find all that stuff. But I also do like commission work. Like I worked contact me at um, Alexander Parsons Designs. Yeah, you can sign the DMs or you can email me at Alexander Parsons Designs at gmail.com and designs. Make sure you put the S at the end. So um, <laughs> that like I've worked for. My friend Corey in New York, I did it and I did movies and like some did some costume stuff. And I really want to get more into that world. The costume design, it's really big. Movies being filmed here are huge here. It's like they call it Yollywood in Atlanta because it's basically like Hollywood. Everyone's filming here. A lot of celebrities are living here now. It's just like really crazy. Um, yeah, I could do. Oh, yeah. I could do costume designs. Um, you could commission me to do illustrations, paintings. 
I really want to sell my so I have a bunch of paintings I really would like to sell my abstract work um I used to do gallery work and and stuff like that so I could do I'm very like versatile kind of like how you are Novo like I like do a lot of different things that I'm artistically I've stylized musicians so if you want a stylist I could do that um, but I can also like make you custom stuff. So I did that a lot with my musician friends in Atlanta. Uh, my friend, one of my friends um, out there still has the leather jacket I redesigned. So I love going to thrift stores and I did this on my collections, which I think that's what I'm going to start adding more of on. My Etsy is taking going back to thrift stores and redesigning looks. So it's like, yeah. super sustainable. But my friend, I made for him for one of his shows. It was like black leather jacket that I bought. It was almost like a members only leather jacket. And I, <laughs> I, I put, yeah, it was really cool. And I put leather flake, I mean, gold flakes on it. And the back, I took gold studs and made like a tetri- Tetris design on the back of it. Oh, I fucking love that. Yeah, It was really cool. And, um, I need to find that picture. I can't find it. Um, my big, my my goal, reason why, one reason why I came down here to Atlanta is I want to be able to, my end game is to have my own store here. But I'm, uh, it's a combination store. So I'm teaching kids how to sew like I did in New ah, York. Okay. But I also have like a small little shop where I can make my own things. Um, I have my well, it's own a hybrid collection. Store. It's a hybrid store, and it will start off small, and if it gets bigger, get bigger. But the the main income would be the sewing lessons to the kids, and they can also sell their stuff in the store, so they can have learn about business and learn about um, commission work and stuff like that, or e commerce or whatever. Or they could um, how does you know they could, and then I could give them their money, like oh your scrunchie sold, okay I'm gonna give you this much profit from the scrunchie, you know. <laughs> So like I want to teach do that as well, and I think that would be really fun. So that's kind of my my goal. Like either if I get the opportunity to do art education and become like a full time like maybe art teacher, I I might consider it. But my main goal is like starting to approach that and getting like um, somebody who wants to invest in me to open that kind of that store. Oh, we love that. So um, we we wish wish you all the luck in the world. Good luck, Godspeed, and then Miss Parsons. Thank you uh, so much for joining us today. Guys, I want to thank you for listening before we go. If you like that, of course, you can check out some of our stuff at NovaDayProductions.com. There you'll find things like the Entropy Sessions, as already stated, Adulteration, post Meridium, Cancel Cultural Auto. Of course, you'll see more shows, more or more ads for this show. You can hear Alexander the Great and a lot of our other fun shows. Uh, so check that out. Don't forget to follow us at all of our socials at underscore Novo underscore Day and Day is D and at Nova Day Media. Don't forget to like, subscribe, do all the things. And if you'd like to sponsor us or be on the show, you can reach out to us at NovaDayMedia at gmail.com. So until next time, guys, be good to each other. And as always, good luck and Godspeed. We love you. Art of the Beholder is brought to you by Novo Day Productions, created and hosted by Novo Day and the Novo Day Collective. Facebook.com slash Novo Day Media, at Novo Day Media on Twitter and Instagram. Music by A Company, facebook.com slash acomusic123, aco on Spotify. Logo designed by Tom Justice, J-E-S-T-U-S, of thejusticecompany.com, and executively produced by Clayton Anderson. All rights reserved.